Welcome to the top. Oh, yeah. One percenter show. I'm Paul Salamanca. And I'm Tom Bocard. Thanks for joining us today to learn how some of the top 1% CEOs, sales leaders, coaches, athletes, and other professionals have overcame adversity and built their top 1%er mindset. That's right. And this show is live 6 p.m. Eastern every Thursday. If you want to see one of these shows live, you could go to our home base, which is top1percenter.com. You could also see links to previous episodes there or download the show where all podcasts are available. You can also apply for the Top 1% Academy. It's a private sales network exclusively for top members and a few sales professionals are accepted each quarter to attend the Top 1% Academy. That's also available on top1percenter.com. So Tom, let's get into this next guest this next show, I'm looking forward to it. Take it from the top, man, 1%. Take it, take it from the top, man, 1%. Take it from the top, man, 1%. Oh, yeah. All right, welcome to the top. I'm your host, Paul Salamanca, VP of Sales of Security Scorecard, co-founder of the Top 1%er, a private sales community here in Bravado. I'm Tom Bocard, co-host of the Top 1%er show, SVP Sales at Global Data, and co-founder of the Top 1%er. Nice. And today we have a very special guest. All our guests are very special, but today, very, very special, Pete Kazani. So, Kazanji? Close. Kazanji. Kazanji. All right. So, do you know what? I was going to say Kazanji, but... I asked Tom before the show, how do you pronounce Pete Kazanji's name? He said Kazanji. And I was like, all right, it's definitely not Kazanji because you mispronounce everybody's last name. <laughs> he, I swear to God, even when I told him how to pronounce my last name, he still butchered it, uh, I think, eight weeks into the show. So that did not give me good confidence. So Kazanji is a lot easier. Thank you very much. So Pete is an entrepreneur, author, and early stage Go-to-market expert, Pete is the founder of the Modern Sales Pro, a.k.a. MSP. So that's 15,000 plus sales, sales management, sales ops. People are in that community. That started back before sales communities were a thing. Right. That is the OG of the sales community. And I'm excited to get to know you, Pete, a little bit more. But before we get to your story, um, and, a, and a lot of this show, we talk about not only your success, but to get to success, I'm sure you had to overcome many obstacles and adversity. We want to pick out that one moment where your back was really against the wall and how you had sure. to get get that top one percenter mindset just to, to break through some of, some of that adversity. Um, but before we, we get to Pete, Tom, how do you pronounce my last name? Put you on the spot. Oh, God. That's Salo. Uh, Salamanca, right? Sal- Are you Sal- messing with me now or not? Yeah, I'm messing with Salamanca. I got Salamanca. it. Salamanca. All right. Rolls. All right. But I, dude, I told you the other day, I started watching um, <laughs> Better Call Saul on uh, Netflix. I was catching yeah. up. Great show, right? Breaking Bad, kind of prequel side oh, yeah. story. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Salamanca brothers. Like, they, you should have just said, just watch Breaking Bad. Like they do <laughs> all the time on the show. Did you see my videos on LinkedIn. I talked to you. I met you in person. And then like you're, you keep chopping my last name, Salamonica. It's because you're my best friend. I really uh, think Salamonica. I try I to feel, pronounce it. All right. Now, at least what? What what episode is this, Parkson? What are we, like 127? Probably 27-ish. 20, 20, 26, actually. 
26. Ooh, close. It only, it only feels like a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> Gets better every time. So, uh, yeah, at least I think halfway through, he finally got it right. So I still love you, Tom. No worries. What do we got on the agenda? Did you do your one-on-ones? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do one-on-one. I gotta, I got a little, little pipeline. I gotta reach out. The last one-on-one winner was, uh, someone you worked with. So I gotta get in touch with him, uh, from that. Mm-hmm. We, we will do, um, for the new, new attendees parks in at the end of the show or sometimes afterwards, uh, picks two people to win one-on-one coaching sessions with Paul and I, uh, we actually, we give you guys 50% wow. discount. So it only costs about 20 grand each. So it's a, it's a <laughs> session thing. Wait, are you discounting because you haven't proven value? Hold on. We got to talk to your manager. Oh, <laughs> oh went straight to discounting. Exactly. What is going it. on? I love it. I said, I put in the, the, the description of Pete. I want to, I shout out an, an event invite on LinkedIn today. What I say? Uh, so, Founder of MSP, co-founder of Atrium, uh, overall author, right? Author, overall good dude, and sales guru. And five minutes in, he's already hitting us with the sales. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love the overall it. good dude part's getting questioned now, Pete. Though I don't know. Paul, I like how you're just yeah, jumping in there, Pete, and busting balls. I love it, dude. Welcome <laughs> to the show. And uh, so first, I'm- let's. I'm from SoCal, and I—I I mean, I gotta like hang with the East Coast guys. I'll just get like my ass handed to me if I don't if I don't go on offense. Are you? I love it, dude. Are you in SoCal right now? No, I'm in San Francisco, but I'm from Orange County, so you'll hear when I talk. There's too much dudes, a lot of bitching, a lot of for sure, <laughs> etc. So you know, I gotta get my I gotta get my East Coast game tight. You know, yeah, hang with the big kids. How's San Fran now? How's how's the Bay? Good, it's delightful. It's like, you know, there's no more in mean, California. It's not burning down anymore. So like the yeah. air is breathable, all that, all that good stuff that you take for granted. Yeah, exactly. All that normal stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I'm sure COVID made it a lot easier too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think my reps are happy because they don't have to see me, see me live, but I think they're less happy because they're probably doing about like, you know, 30% more customer facing meetings, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> It's hilarious to see the stats like come mm-hmm. April, he's just like bonk. <laughs> There's like this new, like the reps went from like, you know, 15 customer facing meetings a week to like, you know, north of north of 20. It's like, hey, it turns out when you're not commuting in like, you know, how a lot more customer facing, uh, you know, talk time. So have you been an entrepreneur most of your career, Pete? Yeah. So um, this is my my second software company, uh, Atrium. First yep. software company was uh, was Talent Bin. And that that was um, that was after I started in technology and um, product marketing and product management in a uh, software company called VMware. It's like big enterprise. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of them. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine, right? Um, yeah, I was like a little baby PMM uh, product manager there, and it's just like, you know what? Like, I'm going to start my own start my own company. And so, uh, it was a company called Honestly.com that I actually ended up pivoting um, to a recruiting software company called uh, Talentbin. Um, uh, which was acquired by Monster in 2014. Good so for you, man. Like where I where I started. So 2014 acquired by Monster. How big was your was? So did, wait, did you start that company that was acquired, or were you part of it? Uh, yeah, we started. So my co-founder Jason and I went to undergrad together, um, and then we started this thing called Honestly.com, where it's this initial. So Jason worked at eBay, um, and I've always had a fascination around like. Um, community like um like reputation uh 
community contributed information, reputation, um, systems, et cetera. So we started a company called honestly.com that was kind of like Yelp for, for like professionals. Yep. Um, uh, or like Glassdoor for, for professionals as opposed to companies. Uh, didn't work out for a lot of different reasons, but it like, it just turns out that like writing is hard and people hate to do it. <laughs> right. Like even, even Yelp, like, you know, Foursquare gets like way more data than Yelp does because like writing reviews is hard. Um, and so, so is this just we, sales professionals or all professionals? It was all professionals. And that was probably like one of our, one of our screw ups. And this is why I'm a big fan of like bravado, for instance, was because, you know, when you start, when you're in marketplace businesses, it's really important to start in like a very like narrow niche, right? So like eBay started in um, collectibles or whatever, and like Amazon started in books, what have you. Um, and so like, yeah, we didn't have any sense of like how to go about that. And so we never got to like information liquidity on, um, you know, on, on people who are on the, you know, on the site, like the, the profiles in question yep. in general, like we're just crappy, like B2C, um, product, product people. And so what we did was we pivoted to talent bin, which was, uh, it, the way to kind of think about it is kind of like this, imagine like discover org with like outreach slammed on top of it. So like, you know, a database of human objects with like some lightweight marketing automation on top of it, I guess like Apollo, like Zen, Zen prospect. Now Apollo is kind of like that. But it was for it was for recruiting, right? So like mul like multiple hundred million person um, database of profile objects that were crawled from like Stack Overflow and LinkedIn and GitHub and like merged together a bunch of like creepy stuff going on there, and then like a very lightweight like outreach that kind of lived on top, so recruiters could be like, oh well, like here's fifty prospects, let's drop them into a drip sequence, and like and then so that actually ended up being a lot more successful, unsurprisingly. And that's yep. where I started have to have like learning how to do sales because I had to be the sales rep for for Talentbin. So how long was that journey for? Well, what was it called? Talent? Talentbin. Worst name ever. Well, it was pretty pretty. Initially, we we're like, all right, we just got to have a name for this damn thing. So we like went on GoDaddy and like we're like, all right, we're like talent and maybe it's like it's like a thing that is talent all right a bin that sounds good oh cool it's only like a thousand dollars it's domain let's bu let's buy it and then like all right it started getting hilarious like later on we had SD, like sdrs would call up someone and they'd be like hey it's so-and-so from taliban and it sounded like taliban taliban yeah it's like oh that's what i thought you were saying like, yeah exactly this is terrible <laughs> right <laughs> so then the sdrs would have to be like and so we had this one um this one SDR who now runs a, a, soft, uh, a company called um, Security Palace, Pukar Hamal, right? He's actually from, he's from Queens. Well, he's actually from Nepal, right? Um, yeah. So he's from Kathmandu, but he grew up in Queens. And they're like, he's great, but his name's Pukar Hamal. And so we would like call him and we were like, hey, my name's Pukar, I'm calling from Calvin. And people would be like, what the fuck? Click. <laughs> um, and, and so what our SDR <laughs> had to quickly figure out was like, yeah, oh, it's talent been uh, right? <laughs> and I, and also, yeah, it's not Taliban. <laughs> um, I also didn't play That's very crazy. well in England because a bin is a trash can in England, which is anyway. So yeah, um, not not. Wait, not it's, a, it's still got acquired, dude. So maybe would have gotten acquired for a little bit more if it was a better name. <laughs> no, no, no. They just bought it for the domain, obviously. Oh, so <laughs> what? How was if you don't mind me asking? How was the uh, how was the exit? Oh, it was great. I mean, we, I think we raised like all, we, so we were backed by first round capital, Charles River Ventures, um, and Lightbank. 
the total amount of money in was only like three or four million dollars. We didn't raise a lot of capital. The outcome was like south of thirty million dollars. So, yeah, like dude. from a from a return standpoint, it was fine. Um, like it wasn't a big out. It wasn't sort of like big outcome that VCs get like really excited about. But from like a money in versus like money out, it you was probably made better. Uh, made out better. It was, yeah, it was. It was. It was. Uh, it was fine. Um, now that being said, there are a number of other kind of like companies that are are taking advantage of this space right now. So there's a company called Gem. That's um, that's great. There's a company called uh, Top Funnel that are really kind of like taking what we had started and like you know bringing it to its actual fruition. Now that being said, at the time, I think we were a little worried. Well, like when Monster came knocking, it was kind of like one of the. I mean, Monster at the time was only like a billion dollar market cap company, and so. But it was one of those things like, what did we know? If they're like, all right, cool, we'd like to buy you. And we're like, well, that sounds pretty cool. But like at the same time, like we probably could kick your ass. And they're like, or we're going to buy your competitor over here and we're going to start selling it and crush you. And we're like, ooh, that doesn't sound fun at all. But in retrospect, <laughs> <laughs> in retrospect, like it just, I guess you read these things all the time in like, you know, innovators dilemma, et cetera, et cetera. Like big companies are not set up to, you know, they're not set up to innovate and moreover, they have a very hard time ingesting new technology and selling it and selling it through their existing channels. There's only a, there's only a couple of companies that are like really good at that stuff. Global data might be one of them as they like, you know, stand up uh, incremental data sources. But like Cisco, Oracle, it's like like being good at cross sell, even like Salesforce. I, I'd be really fascinated to understand like what their cross sell behavior is and like how good they are at it versus yep. just like having dedicated sales forces. Like it's very hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, uh, and then when did you get the idea to actually start MSP? Yeah. So MSP, um, like all of my good ideas is like, is a knockoff. Um, <laughs> and so my, uh, so our previous software company talent bin was uh, funded by first round capital. So first round capital is a, um, seed stage uh, investor, they have this. Um, they have this really fantastic resource that they call Network internally. Um, really ca- catchy branding, um, but really what it is, it's, it's like it's like a, a imagine like a Stack Overflow, yeah. But it's for the it's for the founders in the portfolio. Now they've expanded it to the rest of people in, in their in their portfolio. So like you know, VPs of sales and VPs of marketing. But the point was, is like the key insight, and this, this is the gentleman who runs platform at First Round Capital, is a guy named Brett Burson, um, who is also a, a New Yorker by back. Well, I guess he's from he's from Philly, but then he went to NYU and, and lived in New York for a long time. Um, the, the key insight is that, like, it turns out that like the problems that we have are like usually not new. Right? Like someone else had that problem, someone else fixed that problem. So if you could just like facilitate getting the answer from that guy or that gal over there to you you could like really shortcut your, your, like your learning curve. And so that worked really great at um, first round capital in their portfolio. And so my thought was like, man, this seems like this would be, this seems like a, you know, a similar problem exists in other kind of parts of the professional world. I know that I'm going to be starting a sales performance analysis software company, Atrium. So why don't we stand this up for sales operations and sales leadership and in so doing kind of create the community of folks that eventually we want to participate in commercially and but in the meantime kind of like build that community so we started it, that in 20 is it free yeah it's free yeah. it's it's sponsor funded yeah got exactly. it because like 
you have uh, big dogs like you know the sales lofts of the world, the, the choruses of the world, etc., who really want to um, participate with like the best and brightest yep. in um, in in modern sales organizations. And so they they you know we have a bunch of different sponsorship options and partnership options and things like that. Like you ever that. think about charging the members or no? Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Um, does AISP charge? Because like that's I'm not 100 percent sure. Like I know um, corporate executive board does. Obviously, Rev, revenue Rev collective does. does. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You so know, Sam, we, we had Sam on here a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Sam, big smile on his face. Got it made, man. Yeah. Just chilling. Made in the yeah, build. Yeah, man. So uh, good I dude. I just I uh, that grew pretty pretty quickly too. How many how many members does uh, RC have now? Uh, it's over 3000. Yeah. I mean, when we first joined or when I first joined, it was like six, 700, I think. And that was yeah. like a little, over, maybe 15, 16 months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Galen was on yesterday. Do you know Galen Pete? No, but that's quite a name. Yeah. You, from, you see where? Uh, she works uh, or she actually started with uh, another, with uh, uh, Jared Rev Genius. So mm. that's another sales community that opened up, uh, I'd say about four or five months ago. She comes on to this show every week, uh, but that's free. And they got to 7,000 members in four months, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. I don't know how, in the middle of COVID. So you were doing you know, that way people before. People got time on their hands. <laughs> yeah. You were doing that way before. Um Cool, Pete. One thing with MSP that I, I've noticed, so like being part of like Rev Collective and MSP and some of these, and like I, I I'm new to MSP, and mm-hmm. the thing I I like that you guys do, Pete, that kind of got me really about was the office hours. Like, so mm-hmm. people just have conversations on Fridays with heads of sales or heads of sales ops, and it's just like it's just they're shooting the shit, but you get like real tactical. So tell yeah, tell me about that, Tom, because I'm not a part of it. Um, I just wanted to. So when you say you'd have to be, I think, think you'd be preferred or sponsored in. So I, I don't know. Oh, so, MSP. Right? Yeah. yeah, I mean the way the way we think about it is <laughs> that like MSP is really just focused on peer education, right? And I and I think you kind of see this where um, you know different uh, different communities or. And by the way, this isn't new. Like corporate executive board started this, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away where they had like their, God, what the hell was it called? Sales council or something. And it was just like a very top down sell as opposed to a bottom up play. Um, you know, an organization, you'd show up to some large sales organization and be like, all right, you're going to buy $50,000 or $100,000 of uh, CEB for executive board. You're going to get our research. This is why those guys got bought by Gartner. Um, you're going to get our research, but also you're going to like be able to participate in these roundtables and like you know, have some sort of networking stuff. And there will be like kind of community, um, some sort of like you know l- lowercase c uh, community. But um, but yeah, so the notion of like information transfer be- between various professionals is not not super new. Yeah, That's sure. really what we're just like focused on. It's just like 100% is like peer education, people getting answers from each other. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Like people say, like, oh, you know, want to socialize more. We're like, mm, you know, we're like, that's kind of not like what we're focused on, <laughs> right? Is is that like certainly? Oh, well, like I, 
I want to find a place where you know I can I can network and I can promote myself. Well, guess what? You can't promote you can't self promote stuff on MSP because you'll get banned, <laughs> right? Yeah, and you and you, you the emails that, uh, great when that happens though. So there's like, <laughs> somebody yeah. will like and like it's funny because I I've I've known a few of the people that got oh. like because then there's an email that comes to the whole group Paul and it's like ABC member it would be like Paul Salamanca banned. He was pitching his product, which is against the buy code. Love and, it, dude. <laughs> I love it. It's like first infraction, suspended 30 days, then we'll be let back in for good behavior. It's like, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but but That's it's awesome. like, yeah. it's cool. Cause like, I remember I saw, I saw someone I know pretty well do it fairly recently. And uh, I won't, I won't call him up blast here. And I was about <laughs> to like shoot him a text like, dude, I don't think you can respond. With that, somebody was talking about his company, and he was just yeah. like, yeah. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> and like <laughs> two days later, the email came, and I was like, oh shit. But uh, <laughs> it's cool because the emails that you see in MSP, it's very like, like I, I'm a often a bystander because like people will be like yeah. seamless versus Zoom, and then there'll be 50 responses where people will, like yeah, give right. their input, what's worked. What That's a popular one. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that one's been going on forever, right? I know. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> but but it, it's. It's cool from that end. So, I mean, it's like, and that's why I think like, Pete, I love every time we talk because I always take away nuggets and it's just like, like you're surrounded by all these different you know, salespeople, which is interesting because like you said, before talent bin, or the Taliban, whoever you were recruiting for at the time, <laughs> um, <laughs> like you, you were a project manager, right? And you were the kind of like this entrepreneur, but not, not a salesperson. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I was a product marketer and product manager, but yeah, the way that I learned, the way that I learned sales was because, you know, when I started, H, uh, not HR, when I started, uh, Taliban, Talipin, um, <laughs> I was 30, 31, I want to say, right. And if you think about like where most people learn sales, like, you know, they graduate from school, maybe they do like SDR role, like associate AE role or whatever. And kind of like come up through the ranks so it's like very much in a like learn by apprenticeship situation and so in my case like couldn't really do that because i'd started a company so the way that i learned was from uh, other entrepreneurs who had been successful before so again peer education through uh mainly facilitated through the first round capital network and um and so i i like very much appreciate like how powerful how powerful that is because like yeah just like you're saying tom like you know, I don't know a lot about like data sales stuff, but like I could ask you and you could like fill me in all day long about that. And like, I could, I could walk away from that and now have some great information such that if, if some other entrepreneur who's like, you know, doing a data business had some questions, I'd be like, Oh, well, like now I have some information about how, you know, how to do this. I've never done it myself per se, but I learned from Tom. Right? Yep. So, so just facilitating that is like really super powerful. So, I mean, it, You've done a lot of great things, obviously. Uh, nice exit, built another company that's going really well. The nice sales community. Uh, where is there? What time in your career or life did you feel like maybe it wasn't going so well, and huh. uh, you're really tested? Well, I think that's pretty much the case. Like anytime you're starting a company, is just is just super tough because. Oh, it's, uh, um, there's this investor named Bill Lee who is a uh, he's a partner at at Craft um, Craft Ventures, and um, the thing like Elon Musk quotes him a bunch, but like the the big the big thing that he says is that you know starting a company is like uh, eating eating a bowl of glass, 
right? And I think the the and really what you just have to do is just like get used to being uncomfortable and just get used to grinding, which is why like sales is very like sales is a great breeding ground for for like entrepreneurs, um, especially if you can kind of like get some product product acumen going or like get yep. just technical enough to be dangerous. Because in sales, like you're going to lose like eighty percent of your ops or like seventy percent of your ops, right? Like you just you just get used to getting punched in the face constantly. Like oh okay, well whatever. That's another punch in the face. Cool. Um, I, and I, I think did that the that's- reverse where I started my career as an entrepreneur in college and right after college, and then um, I went into sales. And I was like, oh shit, that's all I have to do is sell. I don't have to worry. And you're paying me a base just to show up. This is easy, man. I don't have to worry about <laughs> payroll. Marketing, keeping the lights on, any of that stuff. That's that's great. Yeah. So I think it's just about like grinding and um yeah. So I think probably like early at talent bin when we had an early product and it was like, all right, God, now I gotta like sell this thing. How the like, <laughs> how the hell do I do that? Right. Um, and just I think keeping an open mind and just like, you know, learn being being willing to constantly learn is a is the mechanism by which you kind of survive there. And that, that's actually kind of what turned into the book that I wrote on, on sales for founders. Um, because at the time I was kind of frustrated because I'm a, you know, I'm a fairly, I'm the guy who likes to go and like read the book. Like, all right, I, I'm, I'm sure someone's figured this out. I'll just go like read a couple books on it. And then like that way I'll be up the learning curve. And I was like, wait a minute, there's lots of great sales books out there. There's like challenger sale or spin selling or, or, um, you know, transparency sale. I mean, you know, take your pick. There's always like a new one every year. But it's not for people who don't know sales. It's usually for people who are like sellers already and like, oh, okay, cool. I'm gonna and usually they're just kind of like retreads of Miller Hyman or Sandler or or whatever, but that's okay, right? Like it keeps us keeps us sharp. And so there was no there was nothing that was just like sales for dumbasses who don't know anything <laughs> about sales, which is literally what I needed. Um so it was really tough, but and but eventually, you know, through grinding it out, got there, which was good, and and then ended up writing uh, founding sales, just kind of documenting this because I was like, man, there's a bunch of like thirty somethings out there who don't know anything about modern sales or just like the basics of selling, like former engineers, former designers, former product yeah. managers, just something that's gonna like you know a textbook that's gonna help them come up the learning curve will really you know save them a lot of heartache. So what, what specifically within that time? So when you first started selling, is there a moment yeah, I, you could remember where you were like, wow, I don't know. I mean, but what moment in time do you remember? Like, shit, my back's really against the wall. Yeah. So I think that, um, I think probably the big one was that, um, you know, I think you have lots of, you have lots of like near death. Usually you have lo- it is way common to have near-death experiences in, um, in, in, in software startups. Startups, And I think in, in our case, um, in our case, it was, um, you know, we, we had situations where I think initially it was like, man, how are we going to get people to buy this? Um, and like, that was, that was very difficult because it's just like super unnatural to, if you're, if you've never sold before, the concept of having like five of the same conversation every day is just like bizarre, right? Like so you when, never, that, when that you never put, happens. You know? When you put all of your focus, attention, energy into building a product that you think is the best out there and you hear people knock it down, is that what started to get frustrating? 
No, it's just, I think it, it was less about that. I mean, that certainly is frustrating, but like, I think the thing that was just like more challenging was like, oh man, this is exhausting. Like, it's just a totally new behavior as compared to being like a product manager yeah. or a product marketer where like you spend all day long in like meetings or like in PowerPoint slides or, or in Envision or, or what have you. And then all of a sudden now you're having you know, five of the same conversation every day. People are, yeah, certainly people are throwing objections at you, uh, not getting back to you. People are like lying to your face as opposed <laughs> to, right? Like all those sort of things. Just, it's, it's, it's extremely difficult for somebody who doesn't have, has had that experience. And, like, and then that's like challenge one. And then once you solve that, then it's like, all right, cool. Well, we figured out the sales motion and now can do this. Now we got other people, got to get other people to sell this. And that's like challenge two. Like, oh my God, now I got to like, you know, take you, you know, 28 year old AE and like get you to sell this the way that I sold this. And man, why don't you just like follow instructions and why, you know, why, why are you screwing up the talk track? And it's, it's, it's like, there's always like a next thing, right? There's always the next thing. Oh, Pete, so as, as a founder though, and someone that was creating the product, right? Like when you get, you know, the nose, or the people like doubting the product, you know, especially when you're starting, would you take that more like personally? Were those diff- more difficult? Because like, if I'm selling now and I get a no and it's like, and they give me some BS stuff, I'm like, uh, you know, you're wrong and we'll go after it. But like, you know. Yeah, I got more, I got more, I got more ops in my pipe. Not a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So how was that? Like, at first you would, did you start taking that all personal and like, you know, kind of like, get a nagged out or, or combative in points? How did you deal with that? And were you running? The worst is if you're running out of money or runway and then you're trying to figure out, all right, I'm getting this feedback. I only have a certain amount of runway left. How do I get over that? Is it? Yeah. I, th- I think if you, yeah, certainly that's frustrating, but I think that as a more like mature entrepreneur, um, if, if you, if you approach product development and go to market, um, like in a, in the appropriate kind of like stepwise fashion, generally speaking, you should be starting with customer research and understanding what the pain points are in the market and like doing that enough. You're like, all right, cool. Like it turns out that it is very common for like, let's use Atrium as an example, right? It turns out when we start when we first started doing, um, developing Atrium or like, you know, started on Atrium's journey, like, all right, we have a hypothesis. So we got bought by, by Monster. I had like a super tricked out Salesforce instance, lots of great reporting and dashboards because like I'm a super dork like that. <laughs> and it was all like, you know, spread throughout <clears throat> meeting invites and whatever. So I had like a pretty good metrics harness. When we got to Monster, the organization like had no instrumentation whatsoever, kind of like no, no conception of the quantity and quality of selling activity that was going on. I was like, man, this is like pretty terrible. We got a thousand reps and we kind of like don't know how many like customer facing meetings or offs they have or what have you. That's bad. Um, and like, again, I opened my eyes and so I'm like, all right, it seems like there might be more of an opportunity here. Let's go do a bunch of customer interviews. So we did about a, like, you know, a hundred customer interviews, talking to sales operations, folks, sales leaders, customer success leaders, et cetera. And saw a bunch of patterns where like people are like, yeah, you know what? We got our data team over here with the, with like the BI Unfortunately, they don't provide us the things that we need. And if they do, then like I can't manipulate anything. Also, it's like a huge pain in the ass to use. Then we got like, you know, that's that stage in our organization. Then we got like smaller stage organizations that are done. And so you start hearing these patterns, and then you fit then like a solution to solve that. So ideally, what like if you've done that work ahead of time, you then go and like you're having these conversations, you're like, hi, so 
if you're a lot of, like a lot of the people that we talk to and based on what I saw on LinkedIn and like the number of sales reps you have and the fact that you have no sales ops or you have one sales ops person for 30 salespeople, generally what we hear is like things like this. Does any of that re- resonate? And so like if you're approaching it that way, usually it's, it's more difficult. Like obviously you're still going to like take lumps. Ver- like the, the way that you can really screw things up is like we did the first time with like honestly.com. You're like, I have this great idea. You know what? If I build this, it's totally going to work. Right. As opposed to like going out and doing the research ahead of time to figure out that like actually people have this problem and, and, uh, you know, there's a, an opportunity to solve it. So I I love the way you, you said that you, you were painting the picture as, as more of a product person, but it has, it rings so true to sales too. So when you're a salesperson and you talk to so many buyers, that's your biggest advantage because now you could start to hear the same problems over and over and over again. And now when you go to the next set of buyers, instead of asking the same fucking questions, you can now say, this is what I'm hearing. And these are some ways we're starting to solve them. What are you, does this resonate with you? And now you could ask a different layer of questions that nobody else is asking. Yeah, for, for sure. And yeah, this is like a really nice continuum. And this is one of the things that's powerful for founders to understand and people who are not not sales folks is that like discovery questions are not that dissimilar from cu- like customer research questions, right? Which is with discovery questions, you kind of like already know what the answers are going to be <laughs> a little bit. Yep. Like, yep. So do you, you know, you ever run into a problem like this? Like, oh man, totally. Oh wow, that's weird. I would have yeah. never guessed you had that problem. <laughs> but, they, but people think salespeople think that's good discovery uh, questions when they when they know what answer is coming back. That just means it's shit. It's terrible. Yeah. Put, yeah. put the words back in their mouth and say, you probably have this problem, that problem, this problem. Let them stop you. If they stop you, that's interesting. Um, and just be a little more curious. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's great. So, Tom, what do you think, man? You think uh, you're going to be starting a, a company anytime soon? Starting soon? Yeah, I got to do a lot of research first, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> So any, oh, no, I think your I, I think your the, wife would kill you, man. Like, like lines, man. St- startups are the startups are the worst. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's tough. I'm sure it's tough. I I've started a couple of companies myself, no funding, bootstrapped. Um, but what about the? It sounded like you made it sound very easy that raising money, even though it was what a couple mil. But um, was that was that painful or? Well, I think that I mean, like with. With honesty.com, I think we just got like really lucky because this is like wildly, wildly controversial idea. And so like investors love that stuff. Like, all right, well, this probably won't work out. But if it does work out, like, oh my God, if we were an investor in like the Wikipedia of people for reputation, wow, that'd be really powerful. So I think in our case, we kind of got like we lucked out there. And then when we raised incremental money, we also lucked out because uh, investors really like entrepreneurs who have had you know a previous previous outcome unfairly you know fairly or unfairly there i think that you know one of the things that's really powerful nowadays is the ability for entrepreneurs to to get to revenue um with very low investment in right with like low code or no code or even just like starting with professional services at least just like getting the the cash flow wheel spinning Yep. in some sort of capacity. <laughs> and then it just gives you a bunch of like really great optionality, right? To like, all right, cool. Like, you know, I've got some cash cash going right now. The sales motion works. Like maybe there's not a lot of deep tech here, but I can hire a couple more sales reps. And if you get that ARR up, maybe now you're in a better position to raise money or you can just like self-fund it and, and grow it that way. 
doesn't like, seem no like the cool thing to do anymore though right whatever man like i mean i think you see this with like <clears throat> atlassian um right so the makers of jira I, like i think the first external money that they raised was um was like that that hundred million dollar round from excel because they just like bootstrapped for a really long time they found a very specific problem like it turned out that bug tracking was really crappy the big the best example or the the best solution that was out there uh the best SaaS based solution that was out there was a thing called bugzilla um that was open source it was a piece of crap and so the the dudes that started atlassian you know out in australia they're like all right well we can do a better job of 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 bugzilla you know we're jamming along. They didn't have to make something that was like super deep from a functionality standpoint because like the pain was so deep and the existing solutions were such dog shit. And then their first, the, like they could have just kept going and going and going, right? <clears throat> but instead, they they ended up raising that that round. You have the same sort of thing. Another really great um, New York business is uh, GLG, right? Like I don't think GLG is I'm not one hundred percent sure about this, but I don't think GLG has ever raised external money. Um, and so like just the, the, what are the, it's the Lehrman brothers or I forget what the, um, who the founders are, but like, Lerman, right? So yeah, they're just like, <laughs> just sitting on this, like, you know, w like massive ownership of this thing is just compounded and compounded and compounded over time. Like Bloomberg is a great idea of that, right. Or a great example of that. Like Bloomberg owns like 85% of Bloomberg LP. Yeah. Like, it's okay. Right. Like, yep. you know compounding is a very powerful thing yeah that's great so we have some questions here um <clears throat> and it's great that you sold your company pretty much bootstrapped right three mil not a lot uh so you did a lot with the three mil yeah i mean was I'm sure it was a yeah for sure i mean we had sold probably like i don't know like 40 percent of the company or whatever because like obviously the first attempt was like you know, a huge swing and a miss, right? So it's not like we got a lot of credit for, you know, that we weren't growing enterprise value substantially during the time when we were like uh, casting about in the wilderness, like fucking around on honestly.com. But yeah, it wasn't nothing. And then what did you raise for uh, Atrium? Yeah, so for Atrium, we raised, you know, a pretty healthy initial round straight out of the gate. But again, that's like, it, it, it's like a you know champagne problem because we were exited entrepreneurs sure. and i think that like my my it was, you know sub 10 million dollars but like you know we raised like a you know pretty beefy seed round um largely because we knew that the problem that we were going after was pretty substantial and so we were you know the intention was to like shoot the moon if you will i wouldn't recommend that to people i think that like the i'm a big adherent to the lean startup approach and um like if you can start like if you can start a business that's more kind of like um, Wizard of Oz, man behind the curtain sort of thing, and like start getting some revenue going um, initially before you start building out more and more, like more and more software, that's a really great way of approaching things um, versus like telling yourself to start like, oh, I'm going to go out, I'm going to raise like $5 million and just keeps you more disciplined too. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So let's do something a little bit different. Parkson, are you, are, are you still here? So Parkson... He's a entrepreneur. He goes back and forth between uh, LA and Asia. He's got a few uh, restaurants in Taiwan. Are you up still, bro? Or did you fall Mr. back asleep? It's making yes. me hungry. Sounds yeah, amazing. <laughs> let's uh, let's grab some let's grab some people here to ask questions. If they want to, if you want to ask a question and come on live and ask Pete a question, uh, just 
put a number put a number one next to uh ask, i'll ask liam's question that going as well yeah so, right. so so liam my man uh, liam that's uh, uh that's bill that's my boss's son bill hogan oh uh, nice nice does he work at security scorecard too yeah he's moving up the ranks fast Ooh, nice another, another long island guy love it uh so liam liam asked in your experience what's the biggest disconnect between sales and product marketing Ooh, um, yeah. So I'll I'll give you my perspective from my time at uh, VMware. I think a lot of the times, what and how big is security scorecard? Uh, little over two hundred. Little over two hundred yeah. people. Yeah, I think a lot of times what ends up happening is you get you get um, the challenge that you get going on with like product marketing and sales is like product marketing kind of like lives in a bubble. Like I gotta describe this earlier. When like when I went from being a product marketer and product manager to like now having to have like sales conversations, I was like, oh my god, this is exhausting. It's so much like, but like what you're doing is you're actually like road testing messaging real time, right? So like sitting in your ivory tower, like you know, polishing polishing slides or what have you, without <laughs> actually like like road testing them, is really like that's a huge problem. And so you sp- we had this problem at VMware too, where the entire product marketing organization was all like former Bain consultants and McKinsey people and whatever, and like obviously they were. You know, they were not dumbasses. They were sharp people. But but like thinking that you can throw something like over the over the transom and that like a it, it like it's ready to go. It doesn't need iteration, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. Right. Is is hugely problematic. Um, and so then you what ends up happening is you get salespeople who are like, you know, hacking on your deck your decks and and what have you. Like use that as an opportunity to feed that back into your pro like a slide deck is essentially just like it's a product, right? So yep. when you ship it out there and people are like, oh, this isn't landing and like, this is confusing or whatever. And then people start hacking on it. Like, guess what? Those are feature requests, man. Like feed that back up in, into, uh, you know, into the feature request queue and iterate. So I think that's probably like the biggest thing. My recommendation would be is like, if you have that situation where you have like PMMs or like product marketing folks who, um, you know, who are maybe a little bit more insulated, like they should ride along on calls. They should maybe be selling. Yeah. Right. They should That's do some point. disco themselves. They should do some pitching or like short of that. The nice thing about like chorus and things like that uh, is yep. like, yeah, is this like, cool, man. Like I was presenting this and this person, like, guess what? I get the same question every time on this slide right here. Like, you know, I get this objection right here and our, and our objection response does not land. Like yep. I'm not making it up. I'm not being lazy. Like I'm using your talk track. So, you know, help me out here. Right. Yeah, we, yeah. Our product marketing team is great. They're very inquisitive. They're always wondering, like, what what's the feedback? What's going on? How can we phenomenal? Yeah. We do that. What you we want analysts on Gong with us, so we'll like we'll tag them snippets and be like, hey, here's some feedback. Look at this, or our product heads. So then they, it goes straight in, and they start developing that on that front. Yep. Yep. It's great. Yeah, call recording is so great for that stuff. My goodness, how do we yep. do this before? Like, we we were huge ClearSlide users back in the day. The pro like it would record stuff, but it would record it like as Twilio MP3, wouldn't transcribe it. So like you, you would only go back and listen to the call if like the shit really hit the fan. <laughs> like yeah. someone would be like, Your AE sold me this like BS and da, 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 da. and you're like, Oh my god, I gotta go listen to like 45 minutes of call. Mm, all right, yeah. doing it. Or That's or it. you I- could do it, or you could do it the gangster way. So my first uh corporate sales job, I um 
I had a meeting with my first CIO and I went with uh, someone a little more senior too. I think I was like 23, 24. Mm-hmm. And one of my managers, I think I had three managers at the time. One of my managers, sales managers said, hey, Paul, I think it would be good. You're great on the phones. Would love to hear you in the room. Why don't you get a recorder, put it in your pocket? And I'm thinking to myself, is this fucking legal? I don't even know, but I'll <laughs> do it anyway. So the night before... Credit, yeah. to practice, I and I still have I still have this same goddamn recorder. Where is it? I still have the same recorder that I use. Yeah, I still have it. Right. So That's the night fantastic. before, I'm practicing my opening, like feeling good, listening to it. I'm like, all right, so I feel good about that. The opening, I'm ready to go. So I, I go into the meeting and uh, I have my sports coat on, right, my suit, and then I'm like, oh shit, I forgot. I got to record the thing. So I go to press record. We're, in, we're like, everyone's gathering around. You got the CIO, got the uh, CFO, got my senior guy there. And instead of pressing record, I press fucking play. And now uh-huh. you hear voices coming out of my pocket. And I started sweating. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? <laughs> so that was my first, yeah, that was my first meeting. That was the first and last time I ever tried to uh, do that shit ever again. That's amazing. That is a, that is a phenomenal story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank God. Uh, I said, just here, here's the intro. Listen, I'll pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go get some coffee. You guys want anything? Yeah. Okay. Here, just listen. <laughs> Liam said, did you lip sync the presentation? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Oh. And you, if you saw my post the other day, that's the same fucking presentation that I actually had my company presents to, and then in brackets company and the CIO says, Oh, I guess we're company. <laughs> so did the deal close? Uh, that one did not. No, yeah. but not, a, not uh, on. I did very well that year. Not not that trip through the pipe. Next time on resurrection, came back around. Yeah. yeah well, that's those are the guys you go back to three months later, and you're like, okay, I got it now. I got yeah. it. <laughs> Luckily, they didn't hear me. With they didn't hear the whole recording. There was like I think too much commotion going on, but I was sweating. I, uh, I started freaking out a little bit. So Pete, dude, phenomenal. I appreciate it. We don't have anyone with the ones next to their names that wants to come on live for the uh, for the questioning. Uh, Unless, uh, let me see. The interrogation. Yeah, we have. Uh, we only have seven hundred thousand people signed in today. Usually, it's a little bit more. But um, let me see. Somebody, mm-hmm. somebody put a one next to it. All right, <laughs> Mark yeah. Mack. I love that name. That's good. All right, so mm-hmm. here we go. Ready? Um, final question. I got uh, texted this question. Um, so I don't know why they feel comfortable texting me this question and not putting it in the chat. But <laughs> the question. The question is. Uh, if you had to pick four numbers for the lottery, what would they be? <laughs> it's not a very sales related question. Um, I don't know what it would necessarily be. Uh, oh gosh. What was it? Um, oh yeah. Five, four, three, two. There you go. Five, four, three, two. Damn. Two of those. You, got, you got 50% right, baby. I picked two of those. Wow, it's about that time. Welcome to the top. Oh, yeah. We're killing annual quotas. It's the one percentage show. In case you haven't noticed, we talking cold calling and sales and start with tight rhymes. Round here, we maintaining a four times pipeline.